people deluded i'm back again thank you very much for tuning back in each and every time folks it means a lot obviously we're back again with another edition of the deluded podcast apologies while i move myself up in the seat now i'm not gonna lie people it feels a bit forced doing this podcast to be fair football is coming thick and fast what in a couple of hours on saturday today i believe brighton and i don't know their opponents we'll get onto that later but they're kicking off <coughs> pardon me football is coming thick and fast but it didn't feel right without doing this especially as we approach the end of the year man there's really not that much to speak about really and truly in in relation to the in in relation to the premier league obviously seasons greetings and happy new year to come for those that are listening uh, it's been a I don't know, it's been same old, same old, man. I mean, you've seen City lose yesterday. That was a great game against Wolves. Liverpool, fantastic. Trent Alexander-Arnold. I mean, I'm very jealous of Liverpool. They've got more creativity in their fullbacks than we do in our actual number 10s creative midfielders. Um, obviously, Arsenal didn't lose. So, we've had two draws on the spin. Now, we didn't lose. So, there's some positives. Chelsea are a bit shaky. Spurs are getting results and grinding results, but still behaving a bit shaky as well. Um, yeah, man. So we might as well talk about what's happened first before we preview the games. Apologies, people. I'm quite knackered, to be fair. Um, apologies for that. But first and foremost, we start with Aston Villa versus Norwich. Now, Villa obviously beat Norwich one goal to nil. With that being said now... Aston Villa have completed a Premier League double over Norwich for only the second time, I believe. Norwich have played more games, more Premier League games on Boxing Day without a victory than any other side in the competition, playing seven, drawing one and losing six people. Um, yeah, obviously for Jack Grealish, I do believe that whole, you know, the creative role in midfield for England. I don't, God knows who Southgate is going to select because the central midfield role on one hand, you can't bring too many cams, but I do think there's a legit reason for Madison, Mount and obviously Jack Grealish to go. I would f- throw Phil Foden in there personally. Doesn't have a leg to stand on really because he's not playing. But I believe Foden's an anomaly. He's someone that we should be getting in, fast tracking into the national team. He has something we miss and he's going to be a star. So them three would probably go to the Euros for me. How practical it is to bring all three, I don't know. So let me just say they would be in, my, in contention. Um, in Madison, Mount, Foden and obviously Grealish deserves a chance man I mean for me Grealish it feels like Grealish is forever that 20 year old kid coming from Aston Villa but he must be 25, 26 now he's come of age and he's done all he can man because what he's been directly involved in 10 goals scoring 5 and getting 5 assists in 17 appearances this season that's only too short of his tally in the championship last season where he had only 12 goals in involvements in 31 excluding the playoffs and forgive me if I'm wrong, he scored at Old Trafford as well. Not sure if Southgate watched that, but big games. Um, few months back against Arsenal, he played quite well as well. So he does do all right. So I think he relishes the responsibility as being Villa captain. Um, and he deserves to be in contention for the call-up, man. It's difficult, but yeah, he, they deserve it. He deserves it. Obviously, Arsenal drew 1-1 against Bournemouth. Now, we did not lose. Now... Let me be honest with you. Now, in if it was just a general game or a general uh, 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 critique on, on the performance, then it's not of the standard of anybody that wants to be a Premier League team, still schooled by errors and just schooled by approaches. But given the context of where we've been playing, how we've been playing people, um, I believe it was a better performance. We was pressing a bit better. Listen, we didn't take chances. We really didn't have quality of chances. There weren't too many saves Ramsdale had to make, but... At least we were shooting. They were going off target. But I want to get back to them days where we was having shots and not converting. We regressed under Emery and became, for many problems, not just for Emery, but many problems, but we became a side that just didn't take shots. So we've made small progress. We're a side taking shots now. We're unable to convert such. Um, Don't want to draw too many conclusions. It's Arteta's first game and whatnot. Um, Didn't lose away from home. Obviously, it's still another game, another clean sheet missing. It would it'd be too much to ask for consecutive clean sheets. Um, away from home, it was always going to be tough, though, man. Um, so yeah, we got a point. We got a point. We didn't keep a clean sheet. The goal we conceded kind of sums up how we are at the moment. I think we did well playing out from the back in general in that game because Bournemouth were pressing. But our, the goal we gifted to Bournemouth or that Dan Gosling scores scores because 
they press us and we're caught out playing from the back and individual mistakes tell the tale. Also, in relation to Dan Gosling's goal, it's another goal where midfield runners, late midfield runners in the opposition are not being picked up. You go and look at the game again. I feel Torreira had a good game and Luis, by his own standards, was all right. But neither are unaware until it's too late. And that's something Arteta's going to have to coach into these lads, people. Um, moving forward, obviously, with that being said, Arsenal have won 11 points from losing positions this season. No side has won more. Um, indeed, it's just one fewer than Arsenal won from behind in 38 Premier League games last season. So there is technically, statistically, some sort of fight back. But I mean, that's of no saving grace to Arsenal fans considering where we are. Bournemouth have scored just three goals in six Premier League home games and never more than one once in a match that time. So they have not They have several problems, but a lack of goal scorers or a lack of converting chances for Bournemouth is an issue and it still persists. Like I just said in relation to the shots, we had 17 shots, people, which um, um, is more than we've had in our previous two games combined. We had six against Everton and six against Manchester City. Obviously, there's a long way to go and it also highlights how low the bar is at Arsenal. But for me, I, I'm, I take positives in that because if you don't shoot, you don't score. It's, it was closer to an Arsenal performance than we have seen recently. Again, that can all be blown out the water if we get smacked up against Chelsea. But for the very fact that we're having shots, there was a bit more confidence. There was a bit more willingness to regain the ball in losing positions and a bit more emphasis on shape. You kind of... And for Arteta, just to... Obviously, what he wants to do, we don't really know and it's not going to be the finished article, but just seeing some sort of small percentage of a playing philosophy or what someone wants to do is refreshing people, really and truly. 17 shots, we didn't win, so that's all that matters, which we didn't get the points, but we can move forward with some positives. Obviously, the same negatives are still here and they were never going to go away overnight. Um, obviously, both Bournemouth and Arsenal's goals in this match came from their first shots on target. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang has scored 73% of Arsenal's away goals this season. Um, I believe his personal statistics are 8 goals in 11 appearances. Bournemouth's Dan Gosling has scored 2 goals in 6 Premier League appearances, which is as many as he netted in 25 games um, in the competition last term. And obviously he scored against us and he scored the winner away to Chelsea. Not too bad really. Jefferson Lerma, we all know he loves a yellow card. He's been booked 20 times since the start of last season, more than any other player, um, including Xhaka, which tells you everything. And I, on Xhaka and Torreira, again, our defence and how we defend as a team and specific to the defensive individuals needs to improve. Midfield is a big area in which we need to improve as well. And I saw a very good performance from um, both Lucas Torreira and Granit Xhaka. You've seen Granit Xhaka linked with, apologies, Hertha Berlin, you've seen his agent come out and say, listen, personal terms ain't a thing. It's down to the clubs to agree. He wants away. But for whatever reason, I think Xhaka's been quite good since he's come into the team from, from his little exile or the little bust up with fans. I think he's got over that. I think he's been quality. There's only been one game. I can't remember the opponent that he was kind of iffy in, but he was quality and so was the pivot. Um, and I also saw greater emphasis to coach people through the game, especially Saka and Maitland-Niles from Arteta. Um, Saka's not a, a fullback and he had a tough time, but I liked what I saw, man. It starts as we mean to go on. And I also have to praise Arteta's man management, putting a little arm around Nelson. He seems, you know, making people fight for you. And maybe a lot of that is learned under Wenger and Pep Guardiola, but that's what I like to see, man, because there's fine margins and whatnot. Obviously, Crystal Palace ran riot of sorts against West Ham. West, ran riot isn't exactly the right word, but... Um, West Ham are just above the relegation zone, forgive me if I'm wrong. Question marks over Pellegrini, they need to turn it around. But they lost 2-1 to Crystal Palace. Palace rec have recorded a double over West Ham for just a second time. They last did that under Tony Pulis in 2014, 2013-14 um, Sorry, season, people. Um, and the weird stat is the team, who scores the team scoring first hasn't won any of the last six Premier League meetings between Crystal Palace and and West Ham drawing three, losing three, with the Eagles coming from behind to win 2-1 in both meetings this season. Which is crazy. Crystal Palace are unbeaten in their last three London derbies at Sel pardon me, people, at Selhurst Park, drawing one, winning two, which is their longest run since 1993 to September 94, which was also the same period of three games. 76% of Crystal Palace's goals in the Premier League this season 
have been scored in the second half of games, people, including eight of their nine at Selhurst Park. So they seem, obviously, I don't, if I was a footballer, I wouldn't like to play against Palace because Selhurst Park's always rocking, but that shows you when they concede, they fix up and they go again and whatnot. Ayu scored a de- very decent goal. That was a FIFA goal from him. Very good dribble and chip from um, Jordan Ayu. Um, that means he has scored 21 goals in the Premier League with 20 of those being netted in the second half. That stands at 95% of his goals in the second half. So he does love that. That makes he that makes him the highest ratio. That makes that the highest ratio of, of, of any player to score 20 league goals in the competition. Um, so that's a good... I mean, it's, it's not really a good or bad stat. It's just a weird stat, but I always find that intriguing. Obviously, West Ham took the lead through Snodgrass and he has scored four goals against Crystal Palace. Um, only Bristol City has netted more in the English League competition, whatever that statistic meant. Coyote obviously struck against his old team as well, people, and he became the fourth player to score for both West Ham and Crystal Palace. Zaha, whether Zaha moves to Chelsea or Arsenal or whatever team come January or the end of the season is another thing, but he completed 12 dribbles in the game for Crystal Palace. That is the most in a Premier League outing since Eden Hazard in February, which was 13 against Huddersfield Town. Now, Carlo Ancelotti got got back to got Everton back to winning ways and sorts um, with a 1-0 victory over Burnley. Um, obviously, Carlo Ancelotti, I'm sure many people thought, I don't know, I know disrespect to Everton, but I feel it's more of a coup for Everton than it is for Carlo Ancelotti. Arsenal's in disarray, but he was linked with Arsenal. He's managed that, you name it, the Chelsea's, the Madrid's, the, the Bayern Munich, the AC Milan's. He's always was always linked with these sort of roles, whether he's of he's the same Carlo Ancelotti or similar to Jose and Wenger to a degree. The game has left them. I don't know, but it's more of a coup for Everton, and probably a lot of that's displayed by the eleven point five salary that Carlo's taking. Now, Carlo's obviously got to get them playing again. Get them, I say, making Everton a top six, challenging for the top six, top four is what they would like to do. Not going to happen this season, but. Um, that's where they would like to do. In short, he needs to just get them winning games confident again, proud to be an Everton fan. Duncan Ferguson, obviously in his interim basis, did a good job with making sure people understood just at base level that the minimum requirement is maximum effort. And I liked what I saw from him in that regards, but it's an important victory for Carlo Ancelotti. Carlo Ancelotti has only lost one once in his first game in charge of a team in all competitions in his in his managerial career. He's gone. He's going. He's gone unbeaten in in his last eight such matches. His last defeat in such conditions came in nineteen ninety six when he was manager of Palmer, I believe. No permanent Everton manager has lost their first Premier League game in charge when it's taken place at Goodison Park. With obviously Carlo Ancelotti becoming the eighth man to avoid such. Um, well, yeah. Burnley have won just one of their last sixteen away. Games played on Boxing Day, losing eleven and drawing four people, which is crazy. That last, their last victory came against Barnsley in the Championship in 2010. After losing back-to-back Premier League games in September, Everton have lost just once in their last six at Goodison Park, which is good. Home form is is vital. Um, Burnley failed to land a single shot on target in this game, attempting six shots in total. And definitely, since I've seen Burnley in recent years, I'd say Burnley and Bournemouth. The summer is probably a testing period. They probably need to rebuild the side. Football is in cycles. Probably get rid of a lot of players. There's probably for the first time question marks over Eddie Howe and, and Sean Dice respectively if they can take their clubs forward because they've been there for a while. They've been through the trenches. They've, they're have they not Wenger, of course, but they're the closest thing you're getting to Wenger respectively at these clubs. Um, there's not many managers that are in the game long term. Now, obviously, there's still some, but you get the point. And with that, there's always the need to rebuild and there's always the question, how much can you get through to your players when you've... Stability is good, but at sometimes it runs... And I'm not saying this for either team, it runs the risk of becoming stagnant. How much are the players receiving information, hearing the same voice, the same approaches? And I guess both managers have to reinvent themselves, but you'd like to think, is it exhausting? Do they want to keep it moving? And Burnley, it's been a testing period for them. Calvin Lewin, to be fair, people might not rate Calvin Lewin, but definitely, ironically, since Everton got rid of their gaffer, I think he's been in decent form. And listen, I personally wouldn't bring him to the Euros, but Arsenal, England don't have many strikers. And in terms of being fair, he's doing all he can really and truly to at least be in the discussion when, when Southgate selects his team or is thinking of them. Like for me, 
The only shoe-ins, if Vardy was still eligible, I'd bring Vardy, um, but he's retired from international football. Kane is a shoe-in. Marcus Rashford is always going, but considering Marcus Rashford's form, he's going. Tammy Abraham is probably the number two striker immediately. Um, then you've got, it's a toss-up between the Wilsons, the, the obviously um, Calvert-Lewins. There's a couple other, Will, there's, I've already said Wilson, but there's a couple other strikers here and there that I'm not really convinced of in my heart, but... He's done all he can, really and truly, to get a look in. Calvert-Lewin, with that, people, that's his sixth goal in 17 appearances this season. He, he That's as many as he bagged in his previous 35. On that, he has scored three goals in his last three games at Goodison Park, as many as he netted in his previous 21. Only Trent Alexander-Arnold with six and Robertson with five have more Premier League assists this season than Everton's defender, Sidibe, who has four. Now, he's for me, I think he's quite terrible, but his strengths are going forward then defensively, and it's no surprise that he's there for such. Obviously, Sheffield United scored a penalty and got out of jail against Watford. Watford high on confidence after beating Manchester United the previous week. Sheffield United have lost four of their opening 19 Premier League games this season, winning seven, drawing eight, losing four. The Blades last lost fewer in a campaign in the top division of football in 2005-2006. Watford have only kept two Premier League clean sheets in 20 away games in 2019, conceding 41 goals. Only Tottenham Spurs have kept fewer of the ever-present teams in the calendar year, which is quite terrible. How do you manage to have a worse defence than Arsenal, which should send alarm bells to scouting staff, recruitment staff and whatnot. And you've seen three managers at Watford now. A lot of the players are going to have to pull it out, um, really and truly. Watford are in the relegation zone and there's a prospect of them going down. And I'm sure Watford fans don't want that. And not that I support Watford, but there are Hertfordshire neighbours in relation to our training ground. So I would want to see them in the league still, man. Um, don't mind them, but only they can pull them out of that reality. With that, though, with this 1-0 draw, 1-1 draw, I can be a 1-0 draw. With this 1-1 draw, Watford are winless in their last eight Boxing Day away games, drawing four, losing four. Their last win came in 1992 in the second division against South End. Watford, on the back of that, are one of three teams that Sheffield United midfielder Oliver Norwood, Oliver Norwood has scored more than one league goal against. Brentford and Huddersfield, the other two. Chelabra provided his second Premier League assist and his first since 26-16 when he was actually still playing for Chelsea. And that happened against Leicester. Delafeo, who, if he had more end product and could be a bit more consistent, similar to Adama Traore, would not be at the, these respective clubs, no disrespect, has scored 14 Premier League goals since his Watford debut in January 2018, more than any other Hornets player. So he's been a decent signing in his year or 18 months since he's been there. With that, Delafeo has been directly involved in nine goals in his last seven um, Premier League appearances against newly promoted teams, six goals Three assists. Um, with that being said, moving on to Spurs now. Spurs, end of the day, they won 2-1 against Brighton. But the play is quite atrocious. They came from behind and they won. But I'm sure many Spurs fans will agree, considering Jose's just joined the club and whatnot, it wouldn't make much sense to draw conclusions. And it's all about getting results. But at the same time, they are very... A lot of the questions that follow Jose when he goes to a club are still evident. Stale, lack of play... And lack of urgency and all of these sort of things. I think they're not playing that bad, but that is something a lot of Spurs fans are becoming quite angry about. And Brighton let themselves down really and truly. It was a good, good, good. It was. I think it was a decent goal when they scored. They took advantage of poor defending from from Spurs, but you have to give it to Spurs for for coming back. People, um, it was a t it was actually a good performance, and both the goals were quite good that Spurs scored. Man, you've got to give it to them. Like you really got to give it to them. As an Arsenal fan, I'm quite sour. Liverpool about to end their title title quest. United are ahead of us, technically, I believe. City are doing their thing. Spurs, regardless of their poor form, are better than us. Like, right now, it's it's, it's, a, sad, it's a sad state of affairs, people. But credit where Spurs, they're unbeaten in their last 14 Boxing Day games in the league. Drawing three, winning, four, winning um, 11 um, since they lost to Portsmouth in 2003. Jose Mourinho has never lost in eight Premier League games on Boxing Day. Brighton have lost five of their last six away games played on Boxing Day, including losing both such games in the league. 
Well, obviously, they lost to Spurs in 2017. I believe they lost to Chelsea 2-0. Deli Ali, who is someone you're looking at for the Euros, been doing his thing, had a decent game, excluding the, the handbags he was coming with. And he was, I think he was lucky not to get, not to actually get sent off or something for one. Didn't he fly kick someone? He did something, not, not fly kick, sorry. He jumped into, he did quite a nasty sort of jump where he knew he weren't going to win the header. And he's more trying to hurt his, op, his opposition, in my opinion. But he's been directly involved in more goals in all, in all competitions under Jose than any other Spurs player. Three assists, five goals in eight Premier League games. So he's, a, he's got a goal contribution or had a hand in eight goals in his eight appearances. That is red hot form. And as we move to the turn of the new year, we're a couple of months, to put it nicely, from the Euros. So you're looking at players' form. And a lot of players that are in form won't replicate at the Euros. Poor players will show good form at the Euros. And it's not really, especially with the players you expect to go, it's not really a good sort of judge to judge them on current league form. But some of them do take their lead for league form into the Euros. And for me, it's all about the psychological effects. It's like, if Dele Ali for England is feeling good under Jose, believing in himself, believing that, yo, I'm still Dele Ali, you know, I'm Dele Ali, he's going to take that confidence into the Euros. Or Marcus Rashford having his statistically his best goal-scoring season, he's going to take that form and that belief into the Euros. When you're these sort of players and everything you do is is, is commented on and you, you're scrutinised, yeah, you have to block it off. But them and they are only human. They're going to harbour some of these thoughts because look at Rashford when he weren't scoring it looked like he thought about scoring too much imagine you had that and then you're going to the Euros where it's at a different sort of level and you're still thinking about these things do you, do you get it people football is way more mental than people consider so it, I, for me away from the league it'll be quite good to see Tammy in form Delhi in form Sterling's obviously in form a couple other players are all doing their thing going into the Euros because it doesn't mean anything but at least there's clarity of mind and better self-belief that they can do this because I do believe when it comes to international football, it's definitely a case of a golfing class between the technical level and stuff. Because even because you do see players that look good domestically, they sink. Um, but it's a it's a mental thing. And what I mean by that comment is I look at Verna, I look at Ismail Assar, I look at Grizides, Valencia lad, I believe, formerly PSG. You look back to the last World Cup, they all flattered to deceive, and that's through no fault of their own. They're all decent players, but it's a different ball game to get. It. Um, so yeah obviously Kane had a goal denied on Boxing Day but Kane has scored 8 goals in 5 Premier League games on Boxing Day only Robbie Fowler 9 in 10 has scored more on December the 26th in the competition and actually Kane has bagged 26 Premier League goals in the month of December 10 more than he has in any other month of the competition so August might not be his best month but December is probably his best goal scoring return month um, and he relishes the festive period, I guess. With that being said, Kane has now scored 100 home goals in 172 appearances in all competition at club, at club level, with 90 of those coming for Spurs, 5 for Millwall, 3 for Leighton Orient, 2 for Leicester City. And I always say this, this guy is an incredible footballer. I've always believed in Harry Kane. You can actually check my tweets, because I... Being, being a North London lad, I used to go and watch Spurs Academy, but I used to watch Kane. And Kane always used to be, be a good taker of chances. You know when some man score goals, but he's a good taker of chances. That doesn't mean he was scoring bangs. That means when he was being played in, he's finishing like a striker. I think he's always had that. For one reason or not, it didn't happen for him in the sense of being 18, 19. You get, you know, you get your chance at Spurs and it's all there. Maybe that was a benefit though, because imagine Kane came through like Rashford. Maybe he would have even more incredible goal-scoring stats, but maybe he still would have went through the same scrutiny. But p being out of the spotlight, going on these loans, some of them, well, he probably learned more from his failures than his successes. These helped him develop and, and kind of, you know, he's fighting. Listen, they didn't care that he was a loanee from Spurs. They're teams that he went on loan are trying to stay in the league. Obviously, not being in the team, this gave him that sort of hardened mentality. And almost maybe when his, when his chance came at Spurs and he was levels and was able... He was more able to seize it because he knows what it, what it how quickly it can go sort of thing. And I don't think that's always the case with young players. I've got a lot of love for Harry Kane. But moving on, Brighton defender, the goal scorer when they took the lead, Webster, has scored as many goals in his in his, in 15 games this season, three, as he netted in 44 championship matches for Bristol last term. Pascal Gross has provided 15 assists for, for Brighton in the league, eight more than any other Seagulls player. Um... 
which is decent for him, I guess. Where's my Manchester United stats? Here we go. Apologies, man. I need to blow my nose. Sorry, people. Oh, there it is. Manchester United obviously won 4 1 against Newcastle now. Steve Bruce, I think people were very quick to get on his back when he signed for Newcastle and Newcastle were losing. And Newcastle ain't been perfect this season. But I feel in big games, even when they've lost, they've given themselves credibility. Now, they shot themselves in the foot against United because United were good and they took good chances. But forgive me if I'm wrong, three of, definitely three of them four goals were individual stupid mistakes from defenders being caught on the ball or just doing dumb stuff that United took advantage of. Um, so they shot themselves in the foot, really. And that's what that's on the players, people. That's not on him. Even when they lost to Liverpool early in the season, I think, what, August? I think they played well. Um, we beat them, which is decent. But they've there's been a couple of games. Newcastle have done decent this season against the big games with big teams. Sorry, whether they've won, lost, or draw, they've put credibility in their performances. Is my point. Um, like I said, man, it was it's happy days for United. They lost to Watford, back to winning ways. They came back from behind, brace from Martial, Rashford on the goal scoring sheet. Greenwood scored a good goal. Looking back, it was a deflection. So me being an Arsenal fan, I've got to, you know, discredit that. If that was Martinelli, I'll gas it up, but got to discredit that. Um, Happy days. Greenwood's an incredible baller, people. And I don't know, man. I think there should be some wild cards for the Euros. I keep mentioning Euros, Euros, Euros in this, but I would take Foden. I was screaming personally, if Callum Hudson-Odoi is fit, I would take him. The form he's in right now, I ain't really got a, a leg to stand on for Callum Hudson-Odoi right now, um, people. But I like him a lot, man. And I believe Greenwood could be like a wild card. Like Obviously, you've got to only bring people to the Euros you're going to use. But there's a sort of unpredictability about him. Now, again, it's a mental stage. We've got to remember he's a 17-year-old lad playing for Manchester United. Um, and then England is a different ball game. For me, I, what I like about Greenwood, he's... Well, he's a Van Persie region with the chances he takes. But he doesn't seem phased. Again, back to the mental aspect. You see a lot of young players, they get starstruck like... Yeah, I'm at United, and that's no no fault of their own. It's like they look left, they look right. They're like, I'm not, I'm not playing FIFA anymore. I'm in FIFA. Like I'm playing right now. Do you get? Greenwood looks like he might do that stuff off the field, when he might have to pinch himself from time to time. Of course, anyone would. But like, he don't phase him. It's like it's not a bravado thing. It's like I'm, I'm a footballer. I've been at United from six, seven years of age, however long. I'm meant for this. Like, oh, I'm just playing football. This ain't Old Trafford. This is like being in the park with my mates. That doesn't mean he's doing amazing things. He just gives the aura that he's not phased people. Obviously, he's a good taker of chances. And I think I like his unpredictability, people. He's probably, the out of all them young players at United or youngish sort of players, he's probably the best finisher there. Obviously, he's got to grow and whatnot. But I can't, I can't not sing his praises, people. And it's incredible to see the rise, people. Like, the rise is always going to come. But when I look at him, I look at Jaden Sanjo and I look at some of these players that... They were playing youth football not too long ago and what they're doing in the game now, this is why I love youth football and love football. It amazes me. Like, seeing Greenwood score bangers against Juventus in the youth gen, play well against Wolves in Liverpool at 23s and 18s level, and now scoring at Old Trafford, which he's been preparing for that moment since the man probably signed for the club. is is, is terrific, man. I've got a lot of time for Greenwood. On the topic of Greenwood, he scored eight goals in all comps this season. The only teenager... In Europe's big five leagues with such is Jaden Sanjo. Obviously, he scored some Europa League goals and been doing his thing. On top of that, Greenwood is just the fourth Manchester United teenager to score in consecutive whole matches for the Red Devils in the Premier League after Ryan Giggs in 1993 from Federico Makeda in 2010. What was that? One was against Villa and then Sunderland, right? I remember that because my cousin's a United fan. I remember the Villa game. Um, it just felt so fake and that was a great goal. And obviously, I've left the best arguably until last. And I mean, if, you, if you're a United fan and you can't figure out the third teenager, there's a problem. A certain Wayne Rooney in 2005. Marcus Rashford has netted 15 goals this season in 25 appearances in all comps. That's already his best goal-scoring return um, for the Red Devils in a single competition. So like I said, it's nice to see Rashford. He's still got to develop and there's still question marks. But I just feel Rashford is scrutinised at every moment. A lot of it fair, sometimes unfairly. So I like to see players doing stuff like that. And for me, it's all about the confidence. Um, when Rashford stops chilling with Lingard, he'll really become a quality player. Or maybe he has already. It's all banner people. But on top of Manchester United, 
Manchester United have won more games, 21, and have a higher winning percentage, 81% on Boxing Day, than any other side in the Premier League. Newcastle have lost more games on Boxing Day than any other side, which is 14. These optostats, I keep thinking I'm reading the same ones, but it feels like they all sound the same. Scott McTominay's booking for Manchester United after just 21 seconds is the fastest yellow card given in a Premier League single match. Um, single exact time. Um, what? This doesn't make no sense. What's all this jargon? Scott McTominay's booking for Manchester United after just 24 seconds is the fastest yellow card given in a Premier League match since exact time data has been collected for bookings in the competition. Yeah, we got there in the end. Newcastle's Matthew Longstaff, who seems to be getting interest from a lot of clubs, and he would have thought it was going to be a wavy thing, um, fairy tale when he scored the opener in this game, is the third player to score to score both of his first Premier League goals in two separate occasions against Manchester United. Can you remember the other two people? Leighton Baines in 2006. And obviously, my Arsenal massive, one of our coaches, Freddie Lomberg in 1999. Um, shout out to Martial as well, because he um, has scored in each of his three Premier League appearances against Newcastle and has four goals in total to show for such. So big up to him. Moving on to Liverpool, is there really any need to stay on with Liverpool right now? Leicester's been a bit... I'd say Leicester, by their own standards, they've been a bit shaky in recent games, but listen, Newcastle, I mean, Newcastle, Liverpool, is there anything to say, people, really? 4-0, clean sheet, Trent Alexander-Arnold, what, two assists and a goal, Firmino scoring headers, Salah on the goal sheet, just an incredible team, an incredible set of individuals, the manager, the way they work hard for each other, can't sing their praises enough. What, they're like 13 or so points clear. If they manage to mess this up, then everybody might as well hand in their P45s. Liverpool are the Premier League champions, in my opinion, and have been for a while. Deservedly so. These players deserve to end their break, and they deserve their fruits of their labour because they've been working hard, because they've been trying to establish a great team, because the scouting, the coaching, the players, every boardroom, everybody has been moving in the same direction. They look... Klopp's obviously signed a new deal already. That obviously is probably telling prospective targets, yo, listen, come to Liverpool, car. we're going to win this league. We've won Champions League. Our manager isn't going anywhere anytime soon. We're keeping our players together. Do you get what I'm saying? There's no need to leave here and you might as well come here. So it's great times for Liverpool fans. I've seen some rubbish Liverpool teams and right now you pick Liverpool. Liverpool and Arsenal not in the same bracket. If you're a credible footballer and you pick Arsenal ahead of Liverpool, I have to question if you really want to win stuff. But only a couple of years ago, it was neck and neck or seen as a sidewards movement. Like even Ox, when Ox moved, I said it then, people were like, even myself, it's a sidewards move. But clearly Ox, away from the average fan, was told, yo, listen, you might not see it now, but we're trying to do some incredible things. Liverpool only a few years ago had a rubbish squad and they've changed it around. Only a couple of years ago, Liverpool were offering more money to Barcelona and Alexis Sanchez more money and he was picking Arsenal. Now, again, if you're Alexis Sanchez of of that time in 2020 and and or 2019 because the year's still technically here and that same offer's put on the table if you pick Arsenal you're an idiot like you're an idiot really um so Liverpool are quality man I feel Leicester didn't play with the same zip the same intent they seemed a bit nervous as well for their part um but it is what it is what it is this is the biggest margin of victory in a clash between teams starting the day in the top two positions in the Premier League since leaders Manchester City beat United 6-1 in October 2011. Liverpool have won five consecutive Boxing Day matches for the first time in their history, and that's also by an aggregate scoreline of 15-0 people. Leicester have lost a Premier League game by a four-goal margin for the first time since losing 6-1 in 2017 to Spurs. Liverpool have won three consecutive away games against Leicester for the first time in their history. Obviously, big up to Klopp. He, he got his fifth, his 500th um, Liverpool, well, the fifth, 500th goal scored under under him at Liverpool, courtesy of Rob, um, Robert Firmino's second goal. And it was good for Firmino because people have been on his back about scoring goals. He's a terrific creative player, but he, he has got the ability to score more and he should. And it did seem like it was getting to him, so it was good for him to get on the score sheet. Um, and like I said, people, they kept the clean sheet, but to, to signify their dominance and how poor Leicester actually was, Leicester failed to muster a single shot in the first half of a Premier League game for only the second time this season, also failing to do so in their first meeting in October against Liverpool, which they played better in that game. 
Each of Roberto Firmino's last nine goals in the competition have come away from Anfield. Leicester have won just two of 11 games under Brendan Rodgers, under Rodgers in which Jamie Vardy has failed to score. Trent Arndt, Alexander-Arnold has registered 20 assists in the Premier League since the start of last season, more than any other player. And it's true what Jamie Carragher says, like having Kevin De Bruyne there. Obviously, James Milner has scored 13 of his 14 penalties for Liverpool in the Premier League, with only Gerrard 32 and Robbie Fowler netting more than the Reds. Robbie Fowler's was 13. Last but definitely not least in relation to the Premier League action that we've seen already, Newcastle, Newcastle, why do I keep saying Newcastle? Wolverhampton obviously defeated Manchester City three goals to two. Manchester City bottled a two-goal lead. And is this the end for Pep? I, I, listen, it's not the end because Pep might have the... The league's gone. Barring a miracle, the league's gone. Is this going to give Pep the fire to rebuild the team, probably get rid of some players he wouldn't have before um, and then come back harder next season and win the league again? And, and remember, remind Don's, yo, I'm the biggest and the baddest. Or is he going to think, okay, cool. I don't know if I can... I'll focus on Champions League this year, but he doesn't think we can do it. I feel I've taken this club as much as I can. There's a rebuild to be had, despite... Arguably, arguably by City's own standards, their recruitment in the last two years has been poor. They failed to bring in a centre-mid and a centre-half. Um, they've kind of failed to really adjust the spine of their team because Silva's moving on. Um, you've got company there, Fernandinho. Mares said in the video, Fernandinho's leaving, plus Fernandinho's 30, 30-odd. Still a good player. The spine of the team kind of needs to be revitalised. And you also look at yesterday... Dropping a 2-0 lead. Kevin De Bruyne looked vexed to be getting subbed. The whole red card with Bravo and stuff. It does feel like, not the beginning of the end for Pep, but it seems like new voices are needed in the changing rooms and all these sort of things. And, yeah, it means Wolves have done the double over them, so Nuno knows how to play against Jose. I mean, knows knows how to play against Pep. Um, with that, Wolves have won more points from losing positions than any other side in the Premier League this season. Manchester, and it was a good goal from Doherty. Appalling, appalling play. Um, absolutely appalling play for one of the goals from from Mendy. Too much Twitter from that lad. Less defending. Can't laugh at Mendy's overrated people. I think he's a good player, but I I don't see the hype. Um, that's just my opinion. If he proves me wrong, he does. Um, like I said, Wolves have won more points from losing positions than any other side. Manchester City had just thirty seven point eight percent possession versus Wolves. That's their lowest figure recorded by a side. That's actually the lowest figure recorded by a side managed in top flight history by Pep Guardiola. Now, context, there was a red card, um, so there's a lot of that. Um, Raheem Sterling shouldn't be on penalties anymore. He caught, he caught life for the second time, but Manchester City's Raheem Sterling has scored more goals in all comps this season than any other Premier League player, which stands at 20. Um, Manchester City lost the Premier League game having led by two goals for the first time since... April 2018 beat Man United. Only Spurs and West Ham have lost more games in Premier League history, having lost by a two-goal margin than Manchester City, which is five. With two of those defeats coming under Pep Guardiola, Wolves have completed their first ever league double over Manchester City for the first time since 1999-2000. Wolves are just the second team to complete a double against a team managed by Pep Guardiola after Antonio Conte's Chelsea in 2016-17. Adama Traore was inspired last night and he is the only the third player to score three goals in a single Premier League season versus Pep Guardiola's Manchester City after Eden Hazard and Jamie Vardy. He's really scored three. Not too sure on that statistic, but um and he's also he's also the only player in Premier League history to have scored more than one goal in the competition and more than fifty percent of those shots strikes have come against the reigning champions, which is three of those five which is 60%. Raul Jimenez has been directly involved in 26 goals in all competitions this season. Edison became just the second Manchester City goalkeeper to be sent off in the Premier League after Andy Dibble versus QPR in October 1994. No players provided more assists in Europe's big five leagues this season than Manchester City's Kevin De Bruyne, which sits at 11. So what a funny old Premier League week that was, people. Game week, technically. Let's move on to the next week or the week or it's starting in a, in a couple of hours, really. And it begins, it actually, apologies, people, begins with Brighton versus Bournemouth, the two seaside towns 
Both potentially need to get back to winning ways. Brighton are winless in their last four Premier League games with Bournemouth, losing three and drawing one. They lost this exact fixture 5-0 last season. Bournemouth are unbeaten in their last five away games against Brighton. Um, after winning their final league game of 2016-17, Bournemouth have lost their Premier League lost their final Premier League game of 2018 4-1 at Manchester United. Not sure why that stat's there, but maybe Bournemouth don't end the, the year right. Brighton have lost nine Premier League home games in 2019, which is more than any other side. Bournemouth have lost their last Premier League away game. Lost their last... Well, sorry, this doesn't... No, they did not. They won that. Bournemouth won their last Premier League away game 1-0 against Chelsea. They last won back-to-back games on the road in October 2018. Brighton have won just one of their last eight Premier League games, drawing two, losing five. And guess who they beat, people? Arsenal 2-1. The, the Seagulls are winless in their last four. So it would have it would have had to have been us, wouldn't it, Arsenal? It would have had to have been us. Um, so, yeah, man, we'll see what happens in that game. Newcastle welcome Everton to Tyneside. Newcastle came from two down to win this exact fixture 3-2 last season. They've not won back-to-back clashes against Everton since December 2002. Everton have won four of their last six away games against Newcastle. Newcastle have won just one of their previous 14 Premier League games in a calendar year. Um, With their sole victory in in that time coming against Everton in 2014. So they don't play well against Everton, technically. Newcastle are unbeaten in their last eight Premier League home games, so that should give them confidence, people. Everton have won just one of their last 12 Premier League away games, so we'll see what happens. Newcastle have conceded just seven goals in the Premier League in Premier League home games this season. Their fewest after nine top-flight games at St. James Park since 2003-04. Obviously, Newcastle, since losing to United, are trying to avoid back-to-back defeats. So, yeah, I'm sure Carlo Ancelotti will want to continue winning ways. Moving down, you've got Southampton against Crystal Palace. Palace will want to keep winning. Southampton need to get back to winning ways. I think I missed out Southampton in the last... I apologise, people. I didn't catch the the Southampton game anyways in the Premier League last, so it don't make sense speaking about them. But in relation to them this week, or the new game, runner fixtures, they play against Palace. Southampton have won 60% of their games against Crystal Palace winning 12 of 20 games, which is their highest win percentage against any opponent they faced at least 10 times in the competition. Palace haven't won their last away game in a calendar year since 2011. Southampton haven't won their last three league games at the end of a calendar year since 2010, so they're starting to put right for both teams. Um, Just 33% of Southampton's Premier League points have been won in home games this season, their lowest ratio in the division which should give Palace some inspiration. Um, However, Southampton have won two of their last three games in the Premier League at home, so we'll see what that game is saying. Watford against Villa. Watford need to get to winning ways, need to get back to winning ways. They sit in the relegation relegation zone. Having failed to win in any of their first Premier League games, meetings with Aston Villa and failing to score each time, Watford have won both games against them and last... And last time they met in 2015-16, both by, they won both by a 3-2 scoreline. I mean, not confident for Villa fans, but they've won just one of their last nine away games against Watford. Watford haven't, haven't won their last league game in the calendar year since 2014. Villa have lost just one of their last seven final league games in the calendar year. Watford's victory against United in... In their last home game, ended a run of 12 without a win at Vicarage Road, in which they drew five and lost seven. So hopefully they want to keep doing that thing. And I'm sure both teams will be looking to their talisman in Gerard De La Feo and Jack Grealish, respectively. Relation into De Feo, he has scored more Premier League goals than any other Watford player since making his debut for the club in 2018 last year. Jack Grealish has scored more goals Five and and provided more assists five in the Premier League than any other Aston Villa player this season. So again, the talisman will need to be there. Norwich lost to Aston Villa and they welcome Spurs, who don't really travel well away from home, but should give them confidence. Norwich have won just one of their eight Premier League games against Spurs, losing five and drawing two. 
Spurs won 3-0 in both league meetings in 2015-16 between the two sides. Spurs have Spurs last lost their league sorry, Spurs lost their last league game in 2018, going 3-1 down against newly promoted Wolves. Newcastle stop saying the wrong names, man. Norwich have won just one of their last 14 Premier League games, losing 10, drawing 3 and are in and are winless in 6. So that you know what? I hope their Spurs is bo- bogey team. Obviously, they're also winless in their last six home games at, at the thingy. At, at, um, what's, the, what's the name of their ground, man? I keep forgetting. can't remember it. It's there, but I can't remember it, man. E- either way, they, they ain't really won there. So we'll have to see, man. I back Spurs for the win, but obviously, any team playing against Spurs will have my support. West Ham against Leicester. Now, if West Ham lose that, that could be Pellegrini... Worst start to a new year. You could be without a job. You might get your P45. Leicester travel quite well away from home. Um, they've sadly lost their last two games in the Premier League, conceding more goals um, in these defeats seven than they had in their previous 11 games. So they've hit a bit of a blip. But surely normality is restored um, come this clash. West Ham have won just one of their last nine meetings between the two sides, people. Obviously, on top of that, Leicester are unbeaten in their last four games away from home against West Ham. So we'll have to see. Um, Leicester are also unbeaten in their last three Premier League games coming to London as a whole, drawing two and winning one. So there should be some confidence. I mean, even if West Ham take the lead, there should be cause for concern because West Ham have dropped a league high of 15 points from winning positions in the Premier League this season, more than they had in the entirety of last season. And they, well, they were winning against us and they let us have a crazy nine minutes. Obviously, Burnley welcome Manchester United. Since winning their first ever Premier League meeting with Manchester United in 2009, Burnley are winless in in their subsequent nine games between the sides. Obviously, United just came from behind and won 4-1 against Newcastle. And I'm sure the one thing... New- do you know what? The one thing Ole Gunnar Solskjaer probably preached to his team is it was a great performance, but let's not concede another cheap goal. Let's not go a goal behind, apologies, and have to chase the game. Let's start well. I'm not sure on his fitness, but surely McNeil should relish this game, in my opinion. Man United have won just two of their last 13 Premier League away games, losing seven, drawing four. They failed to keep a clean sheet in their last 14 on the road while failing to score in four of their last seven away from Old Trafford. So that should give Burnley something to get behind, um, really and truly. Moving on, you've obviously got Manchester City, sorry, Manchester City versus Sheffield United. United City have to get back to winning ways, even though I think the league is dead. City have never lost a Premier League game against Sheffield United. Um, moving on, Sheffield United have failed to score in their last seven away game visits to Manchester City with five of their last six finishing nil nil. City are unbeaten in their last thirty seven Premier League game Premier League home games against newly promoted sides. Sheffield have lost fifteen of their last sixteen away league games against teams against the team reigning top flight champions with their sole victory coming against again Arsenal in nineteen seventy one. Since the turn of the century, Manchester City have only lost their final league game of the calendar year twice. When playing their final league game of the calendar year away from home, Sheffield United Sheffield United have lost 10 in a row in a run stretching back to 1982. And they've got decent away from anyways. Manchester City have dropped points in three of their last nine Premier League home games this season, winning six, drawing one and losing two. As many as in their previous 37 people. Um, so that's them we're hoping we're hoping Wolves can take inspiration from the game against Manchester City and apply that when they go to Anfield Liverpool have won have lost just one of their last 10 games in the league against Wolves winning 7 drawing 2 um, winning the last 5 in a row by an aggregate scoreline of 12-1 Wolves have lost 15 of their 17 away games against Liverpool Liverpool have um won their final home game of the calendar year in each of the five calendar seasons. The last, um, last time they lost was against Chelsea in 2013. 
Liverpool have won 16 consecutive Premier League home games, scoring at least twice in every victory, meaning they've bagged 49 goals, which is quite scary, people. And I think it'll be a good clash, but I think Liverpool would win. Um, how can you back anyone but Liverpool at this current moment? Saving the best till last. It's a North London derby. Well, it's a London derby. It's North London versus technically South London, I guess. I swear technically Chelsea is Fulham is South London. I know they class it as West is South West, but technically it's South London. Forgive me if I'm wrong. I used to work up that way, so I should know that. Um, Fulham Broadway Station is the closest one to Chelsea, right? Um, but we're welcoming them to the north side of things, to the Emirates. I'm just hoping there's some credibility in our performance. And if we lose to Chelsea, we lose to the better men. Chelsea have been losing in recent weeks and having mixed results. Everybody knows where Arsenal is, so it'd be... It would be a good three points, but it could also be a six point and more for anything. Just raise morale on top of just the usual bragging rights. I think it would be a good game for everybody. Well, not for me or not for Chelsea, but the neutrals. But we'll have to see. Statistically, Arsenal have won two of their last three games at home against Chelsea, drawing one. As many as we did in the previous 12, in which I'm sure you remember when Jogba just used to bully us and give Senderos, Armour Traore and the rest of them nightmares. Obviously, Chelsea lost this exact fixture 2-0 in January. They've, they've not lost consecutive league games against Arsenal since 2011 in October. Arsenal have never lost a Premier League home game against Chelsea when they've scored the first goal. During four and winning 11 of 15 such games. Arsenal lost their final game of, this, of the year in 2018, 5-1 against Liverpool. They've not lost their last Premier League home game in consecutive calendar years since losing to QPR in 94 and Wimbledon in 95. Chelsea have only lost their final league home game in one of their last 16 calendar years, drawing four and winning 11. Arsenal have lost their last two top flight home games against Brighton and Manchester City respectively. The last time we did three in a row was in 1977. On top of that, in all competitions, Arsenal have at least conceded in each of their last, at least two in each of their last four league games, their longest run since 1965. None of Chelsea's nine away games in the league this season have ended level. They've lost three and they've drawn six, with only Liverpool having won more goals on the road in the Premier League this season than the Blues. Liverpool have, um, Chelsea have lost three Premier League games in December this year. The last time they lost four top flight games in a single calendar year single calendar month, sorry, was back in October 1993. 28 of Pierre-Emerick Pierre 44 Premier League goals for Arsenal have been scored on Sundays, which is the highest ratio of any player with at least 40 in the competition. So the festive period is quite good. I must admit, I'm enjoying, I was enjoying better yet, seeing the games on Amazon and things like that. I believe that's the way of the future. But in relation to this podcast, people, I've got nothing more to say. It's the festive period. The Hennessy's staring me in the face, and I mean, why not? I mean, what's the time? Never gonna reveal the time, but it's quarter to eleven, in it quarter to eleven a.m. But why not? It's a Saturday, it's festive period. Why not, man? There's not too many other times to do that. I'm sure you look and he'll hear it. You got that cognac, man. But on that note, people, DG, I'm out. Make sure you check out all my other platforms. Link is in the description. Follow all my socials. Link is in the description again. Uh, make sure you check out the YouTube content if you don't already know about it. Can't imagine you don't. But fest festive greetings. Hope you're all safe and you'll have a hope you had a good Christmas and you'll have a happy new year. And the new year brings you all the goals, dreams and aspirations you plan on getting. As I hope the same happens for me. But seriously, God bless. DG, I'm out.